0: hello and welcome to the equestrian podcast i'm your host bethany lee and this is episode 134 Our guest is an amateur rider who is part of one of the top LLCs, over-the-top stables. She has ridden with some of the best riders in the country, and I wanted to chat with her a little bit about what her goals and aspirations were and kind of how she got to where she is today with over-the-top stables. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Alexa Schweitzer. I'm so happy you are on the podcast. I have lots of questions, but I would love to hear how you first Kind of found yourself in the equestrian
1: world. I'm so happy to do this with you today. So, I first started riding, I guess, really riding, riding. I was just coming into my freshman year of high school. And that's when I was first kind of introduced to the A circuit. Nice. What did it look like for you before that? I was showing, definitely, but it was more so kind of locally. I'm from New York. So I would do local shows and then I would drive up to Old Salem Farm, which is a little over an hour away from me. Okay. And then in the summertime, that's when I would really start doing more horse shows. And I wow. would go to like its Vermont. Yeah. That's cool. pretty much it.
0: Awesome. So then what kind of made you transition into doing more of the A circuit and traveling a bit more and having a little bit more of a rigorous show schedule?
1: I guess my dad and, and also my mom, both my parents, they just, they wanted me to focus more so on school, which of course, I obviously understand that. But me as a kid, I was like, no, I just want to ride. Yeah. So I kind of had to beg them and I think they just kind of rewarded me because I was putting, I was doing school, I was putting in the work and they just let me kind of do more of the A circuit, but slowly, Mm -hmm. they never like let me kind of go into it immediately, Uh but slowly they let me join in.
0: Yeah. So you've recently aged out. What were some of the highlights and learning moments that kind of stick out in your head during your junior career?
1: There were definitely a lot of curves that (laughs) I had to kind of over (laughs) that I kind of had to come through. But I guess one that definitely sticks out to me was I was champion in the it was like kind of like our warm up division adult Salem farm, which is like huge. Mm -hmm. That's like the the spring show right before Devin. So I was champion in that. And then I was also reserve champion in the junior hunters that same week. Awesome. So that was just a really, really fun weekend for me. And also that was super stressful because that's also the time where New York Regents is coming in supply. Yeah. So I was also studying for the Regents. So that was definitely like a really big highlight of my junior career, I would say. I wasn't expecting that at all. That yeah. was like I was crazy. And then learning curves, I guess all the horses that I, that I had, mm-hmm. I always kind of hit rough patches with them and I never gave up. I always thought that like I would give up on them, but I never did. And I had, I had a few horses that definitely threw me on the ground <laughs> a <Yep>. few times, <laughs> but I think it definitely made me a stronger rider and mm-hmm. also a stronger person.
0: Totally. Yeah. Did you feel like since you had been obviously like riding and enjoying the sport and then did you feel like at the age that you started competing at like a very serious level, did you feel like you were like had like an insecurity of being behind the curve or were you able to kind of like not necessarily catch up, but did you feel like there was a little bit of like you had something to prove since you maybe like you hadn't done you know, showing every weekend or going to Wellington or doing all of these massive shows since like the age of five?
1: Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, yeah no, I was for sure. A hundred percent insecure. You know, you never, you never know what people are going to say about you. Yeah, And I felt like I had a lot to prove, not only to the people watching me, but also to myself and also to my parents for allowing me to do this. Cause I wasn't, I didn't grow up doing this like Mm -hmm. a lot of my friends. So yeah, I was definitely super insecure and it showed, it showed in my (laughs) riding when I was a junior. yeah, Yeah, definitely. I was super nervous. Kind of
0: looking back at that time and then kind of how you're riding now, what are some things that you did to kind of combat the nerves or do you still feel like, are there certain venues or moments where those nerves come back into play or what are some things you do to kind of get through that?
1: Oh definitely. I think this sport is like your adrenaline is you always are like having like an adrenaline rush. Totally. So my brain just like me personally it's always going a million miles per hour and for me personally I have a sports therapist who has saved my life and I just do these breathing exercises and I think why why I do this I I love it and I love the way it makes me feel and I love jumping. Hmm. So I just really, the one thing that I do is I just breathe and like, I try and like stay super focused and I know it's so, it's super hard. It's a lot harder said than done, mm-hmm. but that's really what I try to do. I just, I just breathe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that the, the use of sports psychologists and, and different techniques within our industry have I'm so happy that they've become more and more popular because you look at any other major sport and all of the top athletes utilize that and yeah it's it's so cool that that's becoming you know it's like more mainstream and it's something that's been so helpful because riding is such a physical sport it's such a like a team sport but it's also such a big mental sport and being able to have all those components is is really hard (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. When you were a junior, did you dabble much in the jumpers? Or at what point did you kind of transition into that ring?
1: So the jumpers, honestly, no, I wasn't much of a jumper person. I had at one point, five or six hunters. And then honestly, I don't know what made me want to get a jumper. Yeah. I, do, I wish I could remember, but I don't. And I I found this jumper that I actually bought from Shane Sweetnam. His name was actually a friend of mine just bought him for me. And he's like a family horse now. He's amazing. And my trainer, Daniel Blumen, we showed him the video. And he was like, I mean, if you want to try it out, like try the jumpers out, why not? I mean, it can't hurt. So I got him and I really didn't do much with him in the jumpers. I just kind of did it for fun. I had him for fun and like Mm -hmm. I would show him when I wanted to, but I was never like super serious about the jumpers until I, until I aged out. Cool. What was the aging out process
0: and transition like for you did you have intentions on continuing riding like at what capacity was there like school and career stuff involved what did that kind of look like for you
1: it's actually super funny I I had a I had a goal it was just it was my own personal goal that I really wanted to accomplish and that goal was once once I age out I want to continue I want sorry I want to continue in the AO hunters until I win and then as soon as I win in the AO Hunters then I'll be done
0: yeah check so it I, out
1: <laughs> I did I won at WEF oh and it had to be at WEF it couldn't be anywhere else it had to Got be it. at WEF <laughs> and I did and I think it was like week week four or week three that I that whatever year I aged out so I won and I said I'm done I want to okay. I want to end my hunter career on a high note and I did
0: nice Love it. What was that like through then, you know, focusing more on the jumpers? At that point, did you have some other jumpers and, and what what did that kind of look like for you as far as how you prepare? It's obviously a totally different ride, you know, a totally different process. How was that like for you as you kind of shifted that focus to the jumpers?
1: Right. I, I've always had a certain type and Daniel has always known that. So it was actually kind of it was obviously different. I, I always – I had a lot of time faults when I first transitioned <laughs> over. Just a, a nice lot. little
0: equitation round. Yeah, line. I mean,
1: I had a lot. I was like, I was like oh, my, that was so beautiful. And I would come out of the <laughs> ring, and I would look up, and the scoreboard would be like, 10 time faults. Uh-huh. And they would be like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, I mean, it was, it was hard for me. It definitely was. But I had it. I had really good. I have this. I had a really good jumper who taught me a lot. And then I had this. The next step up one is the horse that I still have, Coco, and he's been my teacher throughout this entire jumper transition. So it's been super great. And he's also he's slow moving, but he's super scopy. And I I've, I'll always like a kick ride. I just like to kick. Yeah. So it's perfect. I kind of have the best of both worlds. I kind of have like the old like hunter in me, Uh but now I have like the jumper side of me where like I have that scope.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I love how maybe someone from the outside who doesn't know a lot about the, um, the jumper end of, Our sport, kind of, just thinks like they all go fast and they're all like super strong, but there really are lots of different intricacies within finding, you know, a jumper horse that really is suitable for you. I'm the same way. I would even for the jumpers, I would much prefer a kick ride than like you having to yank off (laughs) the other face. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I love that. that thought because I wanted to talk to you today about our sponsor, Hands-On Gloves. If you haven't heard of them before, it is literally a product everyone needs in their grooming box. Hands-On Gloves are a top-notch de-shedding tool that makes grooming as easy as petting your best fur friends. They are made for all different types of pets, but they have been incredible for horses, especially this time of year where shedding is crazy. The scrubbing nodules on Hands-On Gloves are safe and comfortable and can be used wet or dry some added benefits of the gloves are how clean they keep your hands and how easy it is to remove the hair from them just a flick of the wrist and the hair comes right off plus they're great for gently cleaning matted muddy hair as well as more sensitive areas like legs face and ears so if you want to get your hands on one of these hands-on gloves you can head over to their website at hands on gloves that's h-a-n-d-s O-N-G-L-O-V-E-S dot com for more information. Thank you so much, Hands on Gloves. All right, let's get back to the episode. Tell me a little bit about how you first got in touch with Daniel and the Blumens and how that partnership kind of started.
1: I was actually moving barns on Long Island and they had this barn. Told me that they were bringing in Daniel and his cousin Alon Bloomin, and I didn't know them. I I didn't know the jumpers. All they all they had told us was he's a really great rider. They he's been to the Olympics. I um, mean, he's an amazing trainer. So at that time, I was still doing the hunters and dabbling a little bit in the agitation, not really. And we came down to Wellington to try horses and to also meet the Blumens at their farm in Wellington. We, we hit it off. They were super, super nice. And that's kind of how I, I met them.
0: Cool. Love it. Yeah, they've been on the podcast and they are such a cool family. And I feel like they are all so talented. It's ridiculous.
1: They're so talented. They're all so good at what they do. So what is a normal,
0: let's say, a week of WEF? What does that kind of look like you for you in the day-to-day schedule?
1: For me personally, I have I have four horses of my own. And right now I'm training with the- Daniel's other cousin, Mark Blumen, and he's been super helpful. So we have our our weekly plan that we follow and we switch off. Some days I'll ride either all four, if Marky can, or I'll ride one to two or even three, and then Marky will do the others. But it's super, super organized, and we follow that plan like
0: strategically. Got it. Cool. What is the, let's say, the day of you are you know, going to be showing in a class? Obviously, horse by horse, it's a different preparation process. But for you, how do you kind of prepare before going into the ring?
1: Even if I have an 8 a.m. class, I need to eat breakfast. Mm-hmm. That's like something I have to do. And then I also, I just recently kind of started getting into these calming podcasts just to kind of calm my thinking down and my brain down just so I can kind of get in the zone. That's really what I do.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that's smart. Tell me a little bit about the kind of start and the idea behind Over the Top Stables. Was that kind of the LLC that you you operated under as a junior or did that start after you aged out, what was that process like?
1: So that LLC did start when I was a, a junior. That's when we were starting it up. And that name kind of came to be. We tried a bunch of different ones to, to form an LLC, but none of them, all of them were taken. We always knew that we wanted a barn down the line. We didn't know how how soon, mm-hmm. but that was always in the future. And everyone always kind of, it's like a running joke in our family and between like our friends that Everything my dad does is super over the top, so I was like, "You know what? Just try it. Just try over the top tables. See what happens." Yeah. And actually, it 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 worked. It was That's available, amazing. and it stuck. And ever since the sun, I'm like, no other name would work. Yeah, it just
0: wouldn't work. So funny. I love that. Yeah, it's it's definitely a unique name. I think it's it's so fun when you were in the process, you know, you had over the top, you were transitioning um, out of a junior into a different, you know, adult status. Was there a moment in time that you that kind of sticks out in your head that you decided like you wanted horses to be a big part of your life moving forward, a possible career path? Was there kind of a, a moment that you felt that or what, what's kind of your current situation and goals for yourself in the sport?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I hit a super big, like a light bulb went off in my head and quarantine. I, my writing just totally changed for the better. Quarantine was a blessing in disguise and definitely quarantine. I, my writing changed immensely and I talked to my dad. I had a really long conversation with him and we set, we set a plan, and if, it, and if all goes to plan, then we'll keep following it. I think down the road, I definitely want to be involved in this sport, whether I'm jumping at the top level or I'm buying or selling horses mm-hmm. or something. I'll always be involved in horses. I love them. I really – I love it. Like, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Yeah. But, Yeah.
0: Awesome. As far as your long-term goals with riding, do you have certain kind of bucket list items that you are still hoping to check off your list? Yes. What are some of those that you have obviously with last year and moving forward schedules and, and showing and plans have obviously been adjusted, but moving forward, what are some goals that you have for yourself for riding?
1: Right. So we just I just got this eight-year-old that was actually in Daniel's care all of left last year. And I came home from Michigan and I was jumping the highs there. And I and my horse is now older and he can't jump the highs. So we sure he stepped him down a level. And I was like, listen, can I try this horse? I I really think it, it could work. And he said, you know what, try it worst that could happen is you don't like it. So I tried the horse and we hit it off. So now Marky is bringing her up still. And then after I'm going to take over the ride and hopefully she'll be the one that I can, can move back to jump the highs with. Cool. So that's definitely a goal of mine is to steal her back yep. <laughs> soon and to be able to jump the highs and We'll see where else I can go, but definitely that's, that's my biggest goal right now. Love it. What would you say are
0: some big influences or mentors or riders that you really
1: look up to? Daniel, Daniel Blumen for sure. I, not only because I ride with him, but I also see him every day and he is his work ethic. I've never seen anything like it. That man is always doing something he's so busy yet he finds the <laughs> time to fit everyone else in it's crazy yeah. he could be on the phone he could be on his on his apple watch and he's talking to three people at once yeah and he's doing everything he can for everyone else it's really amazing and he also he loves his horses
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. he's amazing he is he's amazing So cool.
0: What would you say is an area of the industry that you are particularly passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about?
1: Right. From what I've seen, just being on the circuit and also speaking to a lot of people is that there are so many professionals that have all these opportunities to help kids that maybe can't afford to do the sport at the top level. Mm-hmm. Yet a lot of them either don't have the time to help them just because they're so busy or they just choose not to. Right. So for me personally, I think when I'm more established, I really I want to create this program through through my barn that I could help like kids or even like young adults who want to learn more about the sport and like get more involved, I want to do that. Like I want to help.
0: Totally. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a huge part of the industry. And I think the importance of continuing our sport is to be able to continue to see it grow. And that would also involve opening it up to other, you know, demographics and people, you know, whether that's geographically or maybe people who couldn't normally afford, because I mean- I mean, we all know this. It's just, it's a crazy expensive sport. And so being able to find unique ways to still make it happen is, is so cool. So having, having kind of that vision that you have to be able to see your, your life situation and the amazing things that have been able to happen with you as an athlete and kind of paying that forward to be able to open up opportunities for some other people. That's super exciting.
1: Yeah, definitely. I definitely have some ideas that I've written down. I've spoken to my dad about it. Love it. So I think once we're we're more established, that's definitely something I would, I would love to do.
0: So cool. Uh, Well, Alexa, thank you so much for taking the time to hop on the podcast and chat with me. I loved chatting with you and hearing more about your story and I wish you all the best this year.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for
0: having me.